fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. I'm Caitlin. Welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News and then distill the large chunks of vile hatred into smaller chunks of vile hatred and then deliver the vile hatred towards my friend Caitlin. Great. This episode, we will be covering the week of October 7th. Welcome back. How are you, Caitlin? I am doing well. I'm healed up from the infection <laughs> you have given me. Um, You're welcome. Not an infection, a cold. Uh, yeah, and I finished my comprehensive exams. Whoop, whoop. Which, just for some background, a comprehensive exam, um, sometimes they're called qualifiers in other departments or other programs. For a PhD program, um, you have to do a comprehensive exam. It just basically says you're like an expert in this kind of field. It means you have the comprehension. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it means you're you're uh it's kind of like a final test to becoming a PhD. Unfortunately, my department hates us and makes us do two, so I only completed my first one. I will do my second one either in February or June, and that's when I become a candidate. I it, you emerge I emerge <laughs> from my student cocoon into a beautiful candidate butterfly. And then you got to complete your dissertation. Then I have to complete my dissertation, um, which I'm not too worried about, though. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to that, unlike most people. But I'm so (laughs) sick of being a student, and I'm so sick of writing exams. So I'm very happy that I'm halfway done that process. I'm also sick of being a student, which is why I'm I'm kind of becoming a dropout. (laughs) I might complete mine, but... And I've I've already done my comprehensives. I'm... What is it? All but dissertation, so... ABD. Yeah. Yeah. You are emerging. <laughs> emerging out of, a, of academia early. Yeah, no, I was about to say, <laughs> becoming jobs. a full-fledged academic. Uh, yep, that's fun. So uh, this week was like kind of brutal too, because I'm dealing with like looking for jobs and all this stuff. And then you have the conflict in Rojava uh, that's really depressing. And so it's like listening to a bunch of jerk-offs... <laughs> Which <laughs> just like I have no patience for it this week. So we might have a shorter week because nothing really happened this week except for the stuff that surrounds the, the debate uh, issues, which we'll get to in, in the main segment. Basically, Ezra won a lawsuit and he's super giddy about it. Heard and, all uh, about that. That's yeah. fun. So we'll get to it. But for now, we're just going to jump right into it to the Imperial Roundup. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. So on October 4th, uh, so this was the Friday. Again, the, our Fridays are a bit messed up. But uh, this episode was about Andrew Shear agreeing on the uh, on the CBC that the liberal number of immigration is reasonable. So... Uh, Rosemarie Barton, who's someone uh, Ezra really hates, <laughs> and we'll get into a clip of that in a second. Uh, she's a, a an anchor on CBC, and she was interviewing Andrew Shear, and Andrew Shear said that the number, which I it was something like three hundred or someone thousand, I can't remember the the set number going forward for immigration is reasonable, and Ezra is just uh, super pissed off about this. Of course. But before we get into like some of his descriptions of being pissed off, uh, I had talked about how Ezra uh, discusses uh, Barton before, but I never played any of the clips because they were like just gross and misogynistic. But 
I figured I should play a clip of something. It's it's maybe not as bad as some of the other ones, but you get a sense of how Ezra constantly talks about Barton. And he doesn't talk about any other reporters this way uh, or uh, anchors. And so it's pretty much just a, a sexist thing against Rosemary, pretty much. So have fun. Listen to this. Andrew Shear has made it official. He now agrees with Justin Trudeau and Ahmed Hassan, Canada should increase our immigration, increase it to an astonishing, unprecedented level of 350,000 people a year, more than a million more people in three years. Not surprisingly, he made that statement to Trudeau's CBC State broadcaster, to Trudeau's number one fangirl, Rosemary Barton, the one who takes selfies with Trudeau, the one who goes on platonic dates with Trudeau and asks him, what are you listening to on your iPod these days? And hey, what books are you reading? And how come you're so dreamy? All right, I made that last one up. <laughs> oh my god! Like it's that one is like take it in that like that was like the least misogynistic of all the portrayals he does of Rosemary Barton. But the other common thing that he does, and he he does it throughout this whole week too, is he plays this clip of Rosemary Barton asking Trudeau some questions. And this is from an interview like maybe a year or two ago. And they were like softball questions, but they were like whatever, like in the field of questions you could ask somebody asking them a few softballs, they were kind of like, what books are you reading? Or what podcasts do you listen to? Were like the questions and he responded. And it's like, maybe that's something you want to know about your politician because it give or your your leader because it gives you a sense of, of what they do and what they might be into or something. Uh, but but uh, Ezra takes this as an example of Rosemary Barton, like going on a date with him and asking date-like questions, and that he's that she's into Trudeau. Yeah, and, and uh, well, I think it plays into a lot of these. Uh, I can't read the word like stereotypes. Sexist stereotypes, not sexist stereotypes, but these like ideas created around Justin Trudeau that like every girl fawns over right, him. Right, right. Um and like you know, they even have those Like he's this heartthrob that you Yeah, just, he's oh. really not. Um <laughs> Especially not when he wears blackface. No, definitely not. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't find I mean like he's a decent looking guy, but I've never I never really saw him as like the hottest, you know. Yeah. But I mean, even if that was the case, that Rosemary was like into him, it's like that. I mean, you'll notice as well, like when we get to the debate coverage, but Rosemary Barton was pretty harsh to Trudeau, like in the actual debate. And I wonder if part of that was a reflection of trying to avoid these criticisms that she gets. Or yeah. if, again, this is just Ezra taking things way out of context. And most of the time she is this critical I of feel, Trudeau. No, I feel like but, he's just trying to play that this thing that goes around with Justin with girls fawning over him. And, and I think he's just trying to play that up a little yep. or, or trying to show like, that's the only reason people like him. He's just a pool boy. Yeah. <laughs> so they get into the, the numbers again. And what Ezra is mad about, about the immigration numbers is that Sheer tries to couch them as not being uh, a political problem, but a factual problem. So for Sheer, it's like, if you've done the research and you know that we need this many immigrants to account for our decreasing population and you do the numbers and you come up with a number, then that's a good number. And that's why he thinks the liberals uh, number is fine. But Ezra disagrees that it is a political issue. And so here's Ezra being racist, basically. The liberals love immigration. 
is because they tailor immigration for their own partisan purposes. Here's Ahmed Hassan campaigning in Canada. I love that. That's amazing. Do you think his choice of a thousand Somali migrants might just be a little bit political as opposed to bringing in a thousand, oh, I don't know, cowboys from Texas? Yeah, that's an expert reason. Is there a thousand cowboys from Texas trying to immigrate to Canada? No, well, exactly. Like, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, who knows with global warming and all the hurricanes that are going to hit or Texas. Trump, like, in general. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, the cowboys tend to like uh, Trump. Uh, but, that's I mean, a that's stereotype, the thing, like, Jody. Come on. <laughs> Uh, isn't an inaccurate one. <laughs> there, there might be a few uh, hardcore progressive cowboys out there, and and we welcome you into the fold. But I think, I mean, what Ezra's trying to do is frame it as like somehow Somalis, uh, and he doesn't describe them as refugees because again, Ezra thinks that they're all just people trying to get our freedoms and just want to like. Yeah. and suck off our resources. Of course, but he he's forgetting that when they're talking about 350,000 immigrants, they're talking about mostly skilled working right. immigrants. They're not talking about no, refugees. No, it's, it's not refugees at all, which no. is why, like, framing it in this, like, the whole frame of this is complete nonsense. Well, that's because he's a fucking idiot yeah. and doesn't realize <laughs> well, there's a difference. But he also wants to play this clip because there you can see, oh, no, our foreign minister is speaking a foreign language and, oh. and yeah, and engaging with Somalis. that They make they make weird noises that I'm then going to replicate on my show because I'm racist. <laughs> he follows up from this again because he's Ezra, goes right into Trudeau talking about terrorist mosques again. And this is something we've covered on our show forever. <laughs> and he just plays the clips over and over again. I think he plays the clip twice in this episode. It's like, we I get feel, it. I feel like eventually we're going to run out of material to cover because <laughs> Ezra's just going to keep recycling the same thing. Like that media party. I'm still mad about the turkeys or like. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I feel like this week's going to be shorter because like I felt like he must have been really busy with the lawsuit. Terrace mosques. Yeah. <laughs> mosques, sorry. Yeah. yeah. He must have been really busy with the lawsuit that he, it was just like a clip show for most of the time. And because again, so terrorist mosque, the next thing he gets into, Sheer wouldn't answer any of my questions about oh, yeah, immigration. Yeah, yeah. And that's why he won't talk to me anymore when it's like, no, we won't talk to you because of faith told you. But again, <laughs> he's just like, I got to say it again and again, because the more you repeat it, the more it's in your head and you'll start to believe it kind of bullshit. So then he finally gets to the clip of Sheer uh, talking to Rosemary Barton. Uh, and I actually can't help but sense a bit of jealousy that she got a better answer out of Sheer than Ezra did when <laughs> Ezra was pestering him. Uh, but really, Sheer didn't say anything different, radically different than what he told Ezra, which was basically that the number doesn't really matter. All that matters is what makes empirical sense. And like, just in that framing, I don't mind what Sheer is saying, but I do know that his rhetoric here doesn't necessarily match his policy platforms. For example, he was recently outside the Roxham Road uh, thing and did a press conference basically saying that he's going to stop illegal immigration when we know it's just irregular border crossings and 
really what we need to do is get rid of the safe third country agreement. But again, so I'm not supporting Sheer on his immigration policy, but his, his answer to here isn't like totally uh, unreasonable. Ezra then speculates that Sheer would not be leader if he gave this answer during the leadership race. However, I think Sheer is aware. <laughs> well, he did because he was on Ezra's show and he basically said yeah. the same thing. But this is... Isn't that a huge reason why the party has divided was his views on mass immigration? Yeah. I mean, that really is the separation between the PPC and the conservatives. Yeah. Uh, and I think Sheer is aware that you can't win... Uh, an election in Canada unless you are going to appeal to that diverse group. And that's why we're finding right now in this election, all the conservative vote is concentrated in Alberta. So even though they're like neck and neck with popular, the popular vote with uh, the liberals, they're not going to win majority or minority because it's all concentrated in Alberta and there's not enough seats in Alberta. Yeah to win them the election, right? Which is why Shear's realizing that he needs to appeal to Ontario. And the only way you can appeal to Ontario is if you're appealing to the immigrants in the greater Toronto area. And so you don't want to come across being like anti-immigrant or, or yeah. racist. Although he is racist and is at least anti-refugee. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, they end the show by bringing on another favorite, which is Lauren Gunter, mm-hmm. uh, bringing that boomer energy and they spend the uh, interview talking about how Alberta Albertans feel about the election. You think they would get some new guests on their show. <laughs> like I'm actually getting really sick of hearing the same names. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. It's just repeat offenders over and over again. Yeah. Uh, and basically, you know, Gunter with his hard hitting analysis says that Alberta is conservative no and loves oil. <laughs> Learning so many new things from Lauren Gunter here. And uh, there was one one small thing they say that I thought was interesting, which was that Harper ended Quebec separatism. Stephen Harper did. What? And uh, yeah, this is new to me. It's still existing, though. Well, I mean, we're seeing the rise of the Bloc Québécois right now in this election. Yeah. The only reason there was a decline of the Bloc Québécois under Harper's administration was because... Quebec hated him so much that they voted for the NDP in the Orange Wave, which gave okay. us the official opposition under Jack Layton before Jack Layton passed away. Uh, and that was a huge upswing in the block, uh, upswing for the NDP and a downfall of the Bloc Québécois in Quebec. But uh, that that wasn't an indication that somehow separatism itself is waning, although it might be waning to to a, a small degree. But as I said, uh, Bloc Québécois right now are currently on the rise and are probably going to come away with more seats than the NDP this election, at least if the, the polling remains consistent. In Quebec, right though, you mean? No, in uh, all of Canada. Really? Yep. Then they go on some like wacky conspiracy shit about blackface, mm. about how the media sat on it. But we actually know who gave the blackface photos to the media, and it wasn't the media itself sitting on them. Uh so I don't know what they're talking about. And then they finally end the show on a philosophical discussion about telling lies. And it is super bizarre and revealing. So we're going to play the clip. Let me close with something that's uh, sort of obvious, but maybe sometimes we have to hear the obvious spoken plainly. And I, and I guess I always knew it, but I actually had to hear Jordan Peterson say it to me. I asked mm-hmm. him once, 
should a college kid lie in an essay and pretend he's liberal to get a good grade? If he tells the truth and he's conservative, he'll get a bad grade. Should he just lie and fake it and get the good grade and get out? That's a real question. And yep. his and his answer to me was, no, you shouldn't lie. This really pissed me off when I was listening. It's absolutely I'm, fucking annoying. Well, it's annoying because I'm like, you're making me agree with Jordan Peterson, you piece of shit. Oh, really? Okay, so. <laughs> right? Because so, yeah. Jordan Peterson is like, no, don't lie. And he's even, Jordan Peterson is even right about this, I think. And he had two parts to it. The first part was... Because most professors really aren't that vindictive. I think he's wrong. So Ezra thinks he's wrong, but I actually agree with Jordan Peterson. Most professors aren't that vindictive and are not going to... Like, there's this... Again, this is Ezra's whole uh, victim narrative. And this is, again, the Friday before the the whole lawsuit thing. And even the lawsuit thing is like, everyone's against conservatives and they're trying to shut us down. And here it is, like, even Jordan Peterson admits, like, that's not really the way that it is. Yeah. <laughs> but the second part was what stayed with me. He said, because if you tell a lie, that changes who you are, and you become what you do, and now you're a liar, and you know you're a liar, even if no one else does, and now in your mind you have lied for your own self-interest, you yep. got ahead through lying, yep. and now you're a liar, and you know you're a liar, and that's who you are. And uh, he said it much more elegantly than that. But it, <laughs> But I have to point out, I... Yeah, go on. Okay, th- there's just so many issues with what he's saying right now. Even the question itself is so problematic. The reason why it's problematic is essays and assignments at university are not about your feelings. They're not about your belief systems. They're not about your personal fucking opinions, to be frank. They're about making arguments that are logical and lack fallacy and have Have evidence evidence, to support them and not just evidence that you found on wikipedia or some news source evidence that has been like critically established and um it has validity um reliability right like it needs to be solid evidence because as a ta who marks all these essays it's never really the prof who's marking by the way it's your tas so maybe you should kiss ass with the tas instead of the profs ezra um the commie TAs, though, you know? It's the commie TAs, yeah. Uh, which we're students at the same time, right? So keep that in mind, too. While we're marking, we're also grad students. And we it's not about our personal opinions about things. It's the fact that when we get essays that are very opinion, belief-based, even the ones that appeal to, like, left aside, right? You give those people bad marks because it usually has an element of... Um, uncritical thinking lacks ability to like make a logical argument most of the time and that's where we're getting you it's not about your personal beliefs it's just showing you that conservative ideology is just not a logical like it's just not a logical thing and you can believe whatever you want to believe in your personal life but i'm teaching sociology and if you're just going to make up stuff in a sociology essay because of your personal beliefs you're going to get a bad mark and if you want to get the bad mark to just hold on to these personal beliefs go go ahead but unfortunately <laughs> i have a job to fulfill and my job tells me that you need to have evidence to support some of your claims and it needs to be solid academic and critical evidence you can't just find an academic journal um that proves something you need to make sure your sources are critically sourced right and and i've given good marks to as a philosophy ta two papers that 
I haven't agreed with in the overall substance of the paper, but it, is it, it's at least formulated in a coherent argument and yeah. is in like the proper structure and at least goes through some work to, to making their point, even though I might like quibble with some of, some of the, like the finer details and why I think that they're wrong. Uh, but what I have found is like, there are some conservative, like, well, I don't even know if they're conservative students, but you can find some students where they go wrong is they'll either choose a source that is, uh, not legitimate. Yeah. So I had, we had a, a course where we were discussing, uh, issues of the day basically. And we were writing on, uh, which, what was the title? Oh, it was on, it was on, uh, prostitution and sex work basically. And they were like dealing with certain nuances about whether or not it's work or not. And we had somebody uh, use as a resource this sort of clinical sounding name. I think it was like the American Association of uh, Pediatrics or something like this. And they're actually really a, 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 a homophobic hate group that's like oh listed by the SPLC. And so I don't, I can't remember exactly what the name is, but like I, I thought this was like a weird a weirdly written paragraph. And so I checked the source, went into it, was like, oh no, this is a hate group. <laughs> and so it's like, that's part of the process. And here's the thing is like, I obviously pointed out to this person, used a poor source, but I was thinking in the back of my head as a TA that they're going to be like this, like Ezra, and think that I'm marking them poorly because they're conservative. When really what's happening there is like, you just used a poor source yeah. that's not documented. There's no evidence that supports their position. And in fact, they're, they promote bigotry, yeah. you know, and that's not something that you, you should be using as a source in your papers. Uh, but again, they have this constant fear that there's this. Uh, and I'll, I'll have to also say, too, is like I've read papers that agree with my viewpoints, but their sources have been oh, yeah. accurate, like big time. Like it's they're using things like Wikipedia or like a source from Wikipedia that they <laughs> kind of hunted down and. It just doesn't make a lot of sense, some of the claims. They're not putting in the effort or just, yeah, effort or critically thinking about... Poorly the, structured. Poorly like, structured. Not, some people, not adding anything no new to the from, discussion. Right? It's just a huge <laughs> summary, too. That's not good. Um, and critical doesn't mean saying controversial things like some people believe. Like, whenever I'd say critical all the time to my students, they thought they'd have to disagree with yeah. a theory or an idea or an argument, right? And the reason why they would get bad marks is because that's not what critical means. Critical yeah. just means you're showing support for something or against something. Or some kind of analysis. Yeah. Right. But we're also missing the forest for the trees here and what Ezra's doing, which is that this is like hardcore projection. Uh <laughs> Which is like, he's talking about, like, if you say a lie, like, you become a liar, and then everything you say is a lie. And it's just, and it's like, you're describing yourself. This is, <laughs> this is you. You've become the liar, Ezra. Become self aware. Get out of it. It hit me. The biggest punishment of lying is that you become a liar. And yep. here's, and I'm sorry for this long anecdote, but it comes to this. Huh. If you renew the lease on power of a corrupt group of liars who tried to interfere with a criminal court prosecution, if you approve that, if you grant that, if you normalize that, that is now what Canada is. And Trudeau yeah. can truly say, you approved it. I was the first prime minister in history to be convicted not once but five times of violation of the Conflict of Interest Act, and you said it's okay. That's not just who I am now, that's who you are now. You yeah, are God. me now.
I, I think that's valid. And the- Before we get to what Lauren says here, I want to point out that this is actually something that just deeply frustrates me with politics and with liberals and not being honest. So with the ethics review that Trudeau is going through and, and lost, and it was found that he did something unethical with SNC-Lavalin, mm-hmm. it should be incumbent on our system to do something about it. And because nothing was done about it, you do have people like Ezra that get to use it as this thing of like, look, they're liars. We can't trust them. And there is some truth to that. And the problem is conservatives themselves, and there's tons of research to back this up with uh, right-wing authoritarianism, that they're more comfortable with contradiction and they care more about in-group loyalty than they do about truth. So they don't care that Ezra's a liar. Yeah. But he, and so liberals are more likely to be persuaded by like hypocrite arguments or like, look, he's there's hypocrisy or contradictions. There's a bad argument here than conservatives are. And so it's like it's incumbent upon liberals and leftists and people not on the right to be honest and, and put forward uh, uh, non-contradictory policies. And so it just frustrates me when this happens <laughs> because the conservatives can get away with it. You look at Trump in the States, he lies through his fucking face all the time. Yeah. And yet he still remains at a baseline of support with his Republican base, which is around 30 to 40%. Well, it's, they try to twist it in a way that makes it true. Well, either they twist it or they just flat out deny it. Fake news. That's true. And then it's, you don't have to argue with it. It's the same thing. I think I brought it on this podcast before, which is, uh, you hear from some uh, Bible-believing uh, Christians, which is like, the Bible says it, I believe it, it's true. Like, yeah. end of discussion. You don't have to go into any details. Even if you point out and you go, well, the Bible is contradictory. Look at these passages, how they line up. They'll just like, nope, Bible says it, I believe it, it's true. The other thing about lying is that if you do it often enough, it becomes the truth to you. Right. You, you lose that ability to see where the lie ends and the truth begins or vice versa. Uh, and then... It all becomes obscured and, and, and keeping yourself in the position you're in, whether it's power in government or wealth or uh, a position of authority in your school district, doesn't matter. Oh. That becomes the, the only thing that matters because staying in your position is the only thing you have left to cling to. You don't have the truth to cling to anymore. Yeah. I feel like Lauren Gunter was psychoanalyzing Ezra. <laughs> Because, like, that's Ezra. I mean, not that he's ever been a ethical truth teller, but he has lost a position of power. And therefore, it's like he's just doubling down on his shitty behavior over and over again because he wants to cling to that power. And that's why, like, again, we're going to get into the debate thing. Giving him access to the debate, giving him a platform on the Globe and Mail, any of these things is not going to help the situation. It's just going to embolden him to be more shitty and give him what he wants. He's going to be giddy and happy about it. So that's the end of the segment. But they close off the show by uh, Ezra talking about how he's going to spend $10,000 to get uh, for lawyers to pursue this case that's going to happen over the weekend leading up to the debate that's going to happen on Monday. And... He then again makes an appeal to his fans to donate to his anti sheer petition. Uh, they had an, you weren't here, but they had an anti sheer petition I heard about because it. Yes, yeah. David Menzies got massacred by a bus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So on the 7th and the 8th, we're just going to skip over it because that's just all debate coverage and we're going to get into it to the main segment. So we're just going to shoot ahead to October 9th, which is a weird episode. So the first half of the episode, it's basically just Ezra's kind of weird bragging about the fact that Interpol contacted him. And apparently Interpol contacted him because they wanted information on a riot that uh, involved Tommy Robinson and they wanted footage from Ezra. And Ezra says that he handed over footage, but only on, so basically unpublished footage because they had footage online, but the, the Interpol wanted access to all the footage that they would have caught. And Ezra said he handed it over, but only the footage that showed the faces of those who were against Tommy. And his reasoning for this, how he justified it, was because the police in the UK were only filming Tommy supporters and not the what what he calls the Antifa Muslim thugs. Okay. And the thing that's like really silly about this is there is footage that exists that kind of shows that basically Tommy supporters uh, started the fight. Uh, there was a guy named John Lawrence who is a member of Britain First. And Britain First is a really terrible organization. It sounds uh, horrible. So some of the things that they do is they carry crosses and storm into mosques, oh. uh, which is not cool. They got retweeted uh, by Donald Trump showing videos of like riots claiming that Muslims were, were going crazy in Britain. Uh, not good. So there's... Anyways, there's some evidence that John Lawrence was the first to throw a brick, but then bricks were being thrown everywhere, bottles, and it was chaos. It was a riot, uh, and it was in Oldham in, in the UK. So that's basically it, and it's like, why did you bring this up? It's like he wanted to bring it up just to humble brag that the Interpol contacted him, and then to like show that, ha ha ha, well, we showed them by only giving them the footage that showed, uh, <laughs> showed the Antifa Muslim thugs. He then ends the episode uh, speaking to Manny Montenegrino again, again. Another, uh, and, another regular. And show. it was just bad. I, like I'll get into part of it later, but the whole interview was basically Manny just kissing Ezra's ass the whole whole episode, just being like, you're so brave for what you're doing at the debates. You're just so brave. It's like, I don't want to hear that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so then we end on October 10th, which... Uh, in today's timeline was yesterday and the whole episode was on this restaurant that uh, in Toronto that was going to close. Did you hear anything about this? Nope. So there was this restaurant, it's called Sufi. I think that's the appropriate pronunciation. And they announced that they were going to close after they received death threats. And the reason why, Oh yes, I have heard yeah. about this. Yeah. yeah. The reason why they received death threats was because the son of the owner was one of the people who was blocking entrance to the Bernier Rubin event at Mohawk College. Okay. The one that went kind of viral when you saw a bunch of uh, protesters blocking the entrance of a frail old woman and everyone was like, oh, how could they be so mean to the old people? <laughs> and I'm just like, they didn't punch the old people. They just denied them entrance. And yeah. guess what? Old people could be racist. Yeah. Who would have thought? I think, I think they're more likely. And, well, yeah, and, I mean, they've got Ezra's support, and we're going to play you a clip of Ezra being racist again. Yeah. You can see a few things. First of all, they say they're Syrian, and that's true if you mean where they were born. He's talking about the owners of the restaurant, just for clarification. So he had just played a clip of 
a promotional video for the restaurant. Okay. And it seemed fine. It was just, they're just like, look at the wonderful food we cook. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and they have a bit of an accent, but uh, that's going to be relevant uh, for, for what comes ahead. But they left Syria, I think they said in 1995. That's 24 years ago. And they moved to Saudi Arabia. So they're about as Syrian as I am. What? They're not Syrian refugees. They're not fleeing Syria. They left Syria 24 years ago. The civil war there didn't start until five years ago. Was Ezra born in Syria? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what he's trying to tell us? Well, I mean... For co- context would be nice. I don't know how old the owner is. So it's like if the owner is like 50, 60. Yeah. If you if you left Syria 20 years ago, you still like lived a lot of your life in Syria. So none of that context is there. And I don't actually know. And I don't care. So, uh, I mean, I will say the owner has a Arabic accent. But I Do mean, they he's... speak Arabic in Syria now? Uh, well, he lived in Saudi Arabia as well, so yeah, I don't know. Either way. Okay. But this is where Ezra gets super racist, so here we go. But I like them, don't you? They're very modern, aren't they? The woman doesn't wear a hijab, and it looks like she never has. She's ed- educated, modern. I-, I wish more of Arabia was like this. I guess she had to wear a full niqab in Saudi Arabia, so she probably likes being in Canada a lot more. But I like them. And I can see why they're popular, not just in real life, which I assume they are, but to the liberal media. Because oh, the media parties. They're very presentable. In other words, they're useful for propaganda because that's not actually how most Syrian migrants to Canada are. But it's their own commercial. What? There's so much wrong with this. Yeah. He's, what? he's it's basically their own commercial. saying, listen to them. They're articulate. They're like... They're so articulate when all the other Syrian people are not articulate and don't deserve to move to our country. <laughs> like, so or it's the fact that he's racist. like, she looks like she's never worn a hijab. I wonder how he like figured that she's never worn one. Like, it's ridiculous. Then he was like, then she was forced to wear a niqab when she was in Saudi Arabia, which I was like, that what? Like, yeah, I mean, which is true based on the laws there's so i'm yeah. guessing unless she spent her whole t- time on because there's like compounds i think in saudi arabia where like you can walk around without a hijab but either way i mean like who what like why does being articulate in english is like the sole factor or like being presentable in a way but it's basically like he's setting a thing it's like we want them to be like presentable in a way that's okay for canadian culture but i think it's because he's saying that they're part of the liberal propaganda which i'm really confused about because i was like they're just doing their own commercial for their own restaurant like it wasn't like they were doing a commercial supporting the liberal party not only that we don't know the owner's politics like just because his son yeah is like uh, an anti-fascist and will show up at a bernier event and protest doesn't mean that the dad is like you do it son yeah and and let's be clear most of the anti-fascists that are there are probably not supporting the Liberal Party of Canada. <laughs> In fact, I will say it's almost certain that none of them are yeah. supporters of the Liberal Party of Canada. Positive note, since the episode uh, that we covered yesterday aired, the restaurant has decided to remain open. They announced that they are emboldened by the support that they've received these last few days and plan to stand up against the hate. I was kind of... 
waffling on on what the heck I was going to cover for this one because I was just annoyed and frustrated and angry that I actually sat through the Bernier and Dave Rubin discussion at Mohawk College, and it was not worth clipping anything from. Um. <laughs> it was so... It was an hour-long wank fest of just boring nonsense. So basically, they all just sat around being like, don't you think free speech is good? And like, don't you like get mad when people are like, hey, don't say bad things. And we're like, we can say whatever we want. And that's like the whole hour-long thing. And it's the thing that frustrates me about this. It's like, don't these people in the audience realize that they're never saying anything of substance? Like they never, Dave Rubin, and all these free speech people, they never say anything like, here's what my thoughts are about climate change. And like go through all the details. It's yeah. merely like, they won't let us talk. And it's like, talking. here's your opportunity. Fucking start <laughs> talking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the other like worst moment is, so Dave Rubin is gay. And this gets mentioned in the thing. And someone's like, talks to bernier and says like people call you a homophobe so but you're sitting on a couch next to like a gay man and bernier does this like cute thing where he leans in and gives like ruben like a a, an arm hug and all the audience like laugh and the thing that just fucking drives me nuts is like dave rubin is used as a token gay person to score points with fascists that's his whole purpose in life i don't know how he lives with that contradiction in his brain well i can tell you i know how it's because he receives coke money but uh, <laughs> there must be something about like receiving a certain amount of money that just fucks your brain up where they're like, here's a million dollars. And you're just like, I'll do whatever you say. Yeah. I also think it depends on how desperate someone is. But he, he was, I don't know if he was desperate, but he was already working for like the young Turks and was like making money. Oh, uh, more money than I've probably made in my life. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, uh, the the cokes sprinkled some more on top, and then it was just like, I'm just gonna go with it. He could have those sentiments though himself too. I think with Ruben, it's more just that he's a blank slate. Oh. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'd like to think of myself as someone who would be able to like repel that. Like if I was ever offered like a significant money by a think tank. Yeah. Well, he whether could that would just shape my politics. Have those like more central ideas himself and then they're just telling him to lean to one side and he doesn't mind. That's probably what it is. Well, I I I bet you it's probably even not that explicit. It's probably just he knows what like he realized that the things that I'm saying now are the things that are attracting that so yeah. I'll just keep going in that direction I guess yeah. rather than some sort of explicit uh, quid pro quo kind of uh, well, you know like a Trumpian quid pro quo <laughs> <laughs> so they end uh, the episode with an interview with Lee Humphrey I think we he's been on here before again but like way near the beginning that we started doing this he's some old veteran dude and I think he ran for the, the PC party in Alberta. And they basically say that Trudeau is cutting health care uh, funding for veterans. And to be honest, I didn't look into it. So I don't know if this is true. <laughs> and they use this as a point because I guess the amount that he's cu- cutting for the the care is like $10 million or something like that. And they keep on going on about how that's the same amount that they paid Omar Khadr. And like somehow used that as a point. But... 
I don't know any of the details. And at this point, at the end of the week, I was like, I don't care anymore. Fuck you, Estro. <laughs> Fuck you, you bullshit. And uh, that's it. That's the week. So we both watched the debate. Yes, we did at different locations. Yes, I live streamed it pretty poorly. Uh, so if you want to watch live streams for things in the future, just sign up to that. Yeah. On Twitch. I went with the NDP. They had in our riding a debate watching party at their um, office, campaign office for the MP candidate in this riding. So. Jerka Prout represent. Yeah. So yeah, that was. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> what were your thoughts of the actual debate though what um childish silly stupid a waste of my time didn't really talk about anything of substance <laughs> um just ashamed with how politics are going yeah just like in all fronts like even the people i do support like i was kind of like weak pathetic like that's what i kind of thought <laughs> i don't know i i thought jagmeet singh did really well out of all the people on that stage, I thought he did really well. Jugmeet does this thing that absolutely annoys me, and it's when he brings people's personal stories. Into... I felt like that was reduced this time, though. It was definitely reduced, but still really annoying, and he just <laughs> needs to stop. It's annoying because it's so insincere when he does it, too. That's what bothers me about it, and it's like people people really like to hear sad stories and feel this like sense of hope and inspiration. And I actually think that's fucking horrible. <laughs> no, cause I, I'm not doing this. I know you think that's funny, <laughs> but it, it's like, um, that's the motto of this podcast. Fuck people. <laughs> fuck me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, no, I'm just trying to talk about, you know how people like, uh, what's the term? Something porn, like misery porn or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Like they like, they get off on people's miseries like they almost feel like a sense of like goodness when they hear about like sad stories and i think that's what he's trying to appeal to because a lot of people do it and i understand um but the problem is like he's talking about people that need health care and their parents are struggling or they're struggling they might not be able to afford medications that potentially could save their lives and the reality is, like, that's great that you want to use that to help you out. But at the end of the day, those people are See, still in I, that situation. I read that completely differently, which is that he he's using those anecdotes to point out that these people do need help. And if you elect me, we can help. No, that's what them. he's trying to do. And that's what people see him doing. But the problem is, he's not going to get elected. And even if he is elected to implement the system that he wants is going to take years. So those people are already having to suffer for those many years and he's using it for his own political gain, which just goes to show what privilege really looks like. Well, yeah, but I don't know if it's like merely for his own political gain. I mean, like, I'm not going to deny that there's probably going to be some of that for politicians. That's but like, absolutely Even, even what Bernie that is. does this in yeah, the States. I don't I mean, like politicians. This is, what? <laughs> <laughs> so your criticism is that he's being a politician. Well, no, I understand. Like, you can still be yeah. critical of the things that politicians do. Like, you could be supportive of one certain party. But, like, I have so many criticisms about the NDP. I have so oh, many I, criticisms I've... about any party. I have criticisms about super left-leaning groups like the Communist <laughs> Party. A hundred criticisms, and then some, right? Like, it's just, that pisses me off because... I know people who are on long-term medications, who have severe disabilities, and they don't like being talked about in that kind of manner. They don't want to be used as the victim in a story 
for someone to get more votes or to get more popularity. It's not okay. Yeah, because at I, the end of the day, those people have to live that. Like, that's I've their been reality. Used, I've been used for my own issues in campaign propaganda and haven't mind it happening. Because for me, if that's going to help get the party elected, that is actually going to go some ways of addressing those concerns, then I don't mind being sort of used in that manner. That's good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I just don't like that. I don't like yeah. those sentiments. It makes me uncomfortable. And uh, well, another I thing, do... people no, but people need to. Re- this is not even just a criticism of him. It's a criticism of the larger society and how people like talk about people with disabilities and how people talk about people that are suffering, that are poor, that are um, having a hard time getting education that are having a hard time um, maybe like assimilating because they're immigrants and they've been ostracized and excluded and uh, people that do need long-term health care that that's their everyday reality and we tend to exploit it not just we don't just exploit those groups individually we exploit them for our own like feelings and like our personal self-satisfaction so people really love to like hear a sad story and like f- have a feel good ending and it makes them feel better about themselves and their situation or people like to help because it gives them a sense of pride or it gives them a sense of uh, well-being when you help out in charitable things. But the reality is like those people are suffering and they're still going to suffer even though. Yeah, I guess. But you're spreading your story. Like, it, it, it's again, it's like to what end, right? Like if it's if it's just merely in the act of like you like feeling better about yourself, then I agree like that's shitty. But if it's, if it's for the end of trying to create a mass movement to create change, then that's a bit different. And and I agree with you that it like annoys me, especially how often it has happened in the past with Jagmeet. Like the one town hall we went to, it was like story after story. And it gets yeah. to a point where it's like, just lay out your friggin' plan. Like <laughs> that's, that's honestly what yeah. I only like to hear about politicians. I don't like the slamming. I don't like to hear stories. I don't like to hear things that play on certain emotions and appeals to people. I just want to hear what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? And uh, see yeah, and, who has the better policy. And like, this is the just... thing: is like the debates aren't conducive for that because there's no way you can get policy across. That's why in I just hated like that minute. debate because <laughs> it was more half the time I can't even hear what they're saying because they're trying to trash talk each other yeah. over each other. That's one thing I can say that was really good about Jagmeet was he wasn't attacking people very often as compared to like Trudeau and Sheer going after each other constantly, or like Bernier having to speak over everyone yeah. when they wanted to talk like that's just really I'm, obnoxious there should be limitations on that in fact i think he should be removed yeah. because you're not letting people speak and you want to talk about freedom of speech like well no he has no chance for one he didn't meet the criteria he shouldn't have been there he got let in because it's stupid and then he for the first part like talked over everyone and i was glad that he kind of withered away for like the rest of it but that first half like he just made an asset of himself yeah. and he wasn't there to, that's the problem of freedom of speech. When freedom of speech is really talking about governments preventing certain peoples from speaking out of issues. It's, it's that kind of relationship. It's not between yeah. people or it's not in between people of power. The problem with Bernier is he rants on about this and wants to say my freedom of speech, I can talk, but you're going to spend a whole debate do- talking over people. Yeah. Like what an ass. Yeah. <laughs> 
and that he's, just that, he's the white male he he gets to that's Canadian culture they want to preserve it for the <laughs> it's just it's you get a patriarchy you get a patriarchy. yeah but no I mean like there should be and I'm looking at the moderators being like there should be more rules towards this kind of behavior because that's actually not freedom of speech you're now actually limiting other people's ability to speak you should be kicked out because what he actually did to me was just a form of like harassing behaviors trying to intimidate candidates and I mean they're fine they're all you know adults yeah. they're all strong people and themselves right but it's like it's just so childish that behavior it needs to be cut well, out well one part of it is like there's a way of interjecting that like there's a give and take in the conversation where what he was doing was just basically continuing to yeah i don't even when, think like, they should have stuff like that i think how debate should be run is you give people a certain number of speak like a certain amount of speaking time to get that point in that question out and then you can allow at the end for interdebate. I actually don't even think that's useful whatsoever. I think you should yeah. just ask a series of questions, go around the room, let people hear it out. If within their speaking time that they're privileged to, they want to talk about how this other candidate doesn't do this and everything. And we just, we don't like that. They can do that. But I don't think that other candidate should be coming in and trying to, you know, if they want to raise it yeah. in their next point, they can go raise it in their next point. But that that's how it should be run. And I think some of the moderators did an okay job. Um, I can't remember her name, but I think it was the second one up that was talking about environment, I think. Okay. Uh, she did a really good job because she was like, your time is up. And if they kept speaking, she's like, I said, your time is up. And it was just really firm. <laughs> Laid down the law. Yeah. Yeah. And I liked that because that's what you kind of need in a moderator. And I think she did the best job out of all of them. And even to like people that I like, like Jagmeet, we kept ranting on and she was like, uh, I've told you to stop please stop. We're moving on. Right. Yeah. And like, I actually appreciate that because he shouldn't be allowed to rant on. No. You should be giving them equal speaking time, even if I disagree with all their points, but. Yeah, so the only other things that I wanted to touch on, there was like the big lines that, uh, Jake Meek got. One of them was like really corny, which was the Mr. Delay and Mr. Deny. That was and... horrible, but people have been going, let's see yeah. these things too. I hate that. I hate yeah. these kind of, <laughs> You know, these like little insults and digs that become memes on the internet. And I don't find them actually there useful. Was, there was one dig that I thought was useful, which was like, there was one moment where Sheer and Trudeau were just going at each other and Jagmeet cut it and goes, we should stop fighting over who is worse. <laughs> and I was like... It's funny, but like, again, I don't like that behavior. Yeah, no, I, don't, I, I enjoy that a little bit. I actually think if we're going to talk about who had the best burn kind of thing, um, was uh trudeau to bernier said bernier's only here to say what sheer says in private yeah <laughs> and i yeah, thought that pretty was good, pretty uh... good because i was like that's that's really true and actually sheer gave a couple of good zingers to trudeau like saying like you bought a pipeline right like yeah. he was the first one to call him out <laughs> on that i was like yeah even, yeah, although he, he even said some of the conspiracy stuff that we hear on Rebel about that he bought the pipeline, but he's not actually going to build it. Yeah, no, I know. He like, also oh. said he was anti, uh, anti-abortion out yeah. loud in the debate, which we all knew, but like, come on. <laughs> and there was like a weird reception to May, because like May comes out as like pro-choice and then everyone's like, or she says the party's pro-choice. It's like, you said in an interview yeah. <laughs> like several weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like the one weird part of the debate was uh, the Bloc Québécois and the Greens went at each other like a lot. And the whole t and like I almost felt like they dominated the second half of the debate. 
And it was just like, you're two parties that are like inconsequential <laughs> so much. Like, I would much rather hear Trudeau keep on making slip ups and being an ass than listen to you two inconsequential people just yelling at each other. Yeah. Uh, over then, things that I was just like, I, I don't care. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Another thing I thought was kind of odd was I heard at one point, um, well, they kept asking Jugme about. Uh, was it Bill One Twenty One? Bill Twenty One. Oh yeah. Twenty One. Yeah. Um, and of course they're like going to him because he's the only one wearing anything of like religious a religious signifier. And uh, Sheer starts going, "I understand your pain," and like does this. Sim- <laughs> but I think he slipped up. I don't think he actually meant to say this, but he was just like, "I've been." like i've experienced accounts of racism as well somebody once called me a hunky (laughs) (laughs) and i was like did he actually just say that he didn't actually say the hunky thing no no that part he didn't but he was like i've experienced accounts of racism and i think he meant to say i witnessed accounts of racism yeah yeah i'm not sure though but (laughs) i was like it was yeah the 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 deference to to jagmeet sing there like that act itself felt quasi icky and racist what them asking him specifically well, no just like the way each like candidate was like like oh the way you're handling the race issue Jackie, you like or they like congratulated him and it's like congratulations on not like <laughs> reacting kindly to race congratulations for reacting kindly to racists and it's like why are you congratulating him? See, like, I would like, rather have Jeremy be like, fuck you, man. Like, yeah. that's the kind of behavior in politicians that I don't mind. I don't like this whole, like, sympathy. Like, I've experienced so much hardship. My life has been so tough. Blah, 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 blah. I'd rather just be like, fuck the racists. We'll get to fuck one them. dig near the end, which was a subtle dig that I appreciated that Jackie did. But not in the debate, in, in something else that we're going to get to. But I, I to finalize our discussion about the debate the one thing i wanted to say about the bill 21 thing that kind of annoys me is like a lot of people have been pushing jagmeet singh about this but what they don't understand is that there there isn't really anything that jagmeet can do except for push through so what he could do is challenge it legally but then what's going to happen is they're going to do what doug ford did and force it through i can't remember what it's called what he did with the uh, uh city council in toronto oh cutting it Um, Yeah, he cut it, but then there was, like, some special legal maneuver that he did that I can't remember the name of it. And basically, it... Well, he used just the Charter charter of Rights. It had something to do with the Charter, but there's a specific legal move that, like, gives, like, the power to the province. So even if Jagmeet fought it... So here's the thing that you got to recognize. It's like, so Jagmeet could spend all a bunch of taxpayer money to fight this thing legally only for it to end up being like, no, it's not going to go through when that is the likelihood of a court case. Or you can do what Jagmeet is actually saying, which is like, we need to change the culture in Quebec. Yeah. And because what you do is you change the culture in Quebec and then you get people in power that are going to then change that law. And that's the only way to get this thing done. Like there's nothing that Jagmeet can do unilaterally as the prime minister to, to change that law, given how our, our system is set up. And so it just frustrates me that like Trudeau gets to like pretend like this is a ha ha I'm better than you on race issues. <laughs> it's like okay, Mister Blackface, you go on and keep trying to do that. Uh, so that's our coverage of the election, and we can now move on to Ezra's really stupid coverage of the election. So as we said, he sued the debate commission. 
And this is actually something that's kind of Trudeau's fault. So how debates used to run in federal politics is they were done through the individual uh, media companies. Yeah. So if CTV is holding a debate or CBC, and then they have their own sort of policies and ways and like how well you're doing, what, whether you can participate and what journalists have access, all that fun stuff. Okay. But Trudeau made it like an actual government kind of thing. Yeah. He set up a debate commission and he staffed it and it's supposed to be independent. But of course, Ezra's going to use this as uh, it's not independent. They're just Trudeau lackeys, all this fun stuff. And I actually speculate that they are independent because they let friggin' Bernier into the debate, which I'm pretty sure no one wanted, not even Trudeau. This is kind of like Trudeau shooting himself in the foot because I think once he made it a federal thing, there really is, it's really tricky to make it so that you could exclude someone like Ezra, because then you have the government of Canada picking and choosing who gets to participate as a journalist at this de- debate. Yeah. And then that means that it's incumbent upon the government to decide who is and isn't a journalist and what counts as accreditation. Okay. And part of the, the issue there is, so they denied initially their accreditation to appear at this event, but the sort of like what qualifies you Rebel fits those things, sadly, because they're people who went to journalism school. They're people who used to, like, they're Worked mostly, the Toronto Sun. they're yeah. mostly Sun Media people. Yeah. And so they have journalistic backgrounds as much as I think they're terrible at their fucking jobs. <laughs> I mean, but to even like, but here's the problem though, too, is the fact that they're making such a big deal about letting them in gives them that motivation to try to push back and say that we're more victims too. So it's just like, let them in and let the politicians handle it. They're big, they're big people. They can handle it. They can handle tough questions from them. And if they can't, then maybe they shouldn't be in their position. And so I would rather see them go there and watch a, a politician tear them apart with their racist, sexist, homophobic questions. That that's all they ask pretty much. So yeah, there's there's something to that. I think if if it was being run by CTV and CTV was like, no, we're not letting you into our debate, I'm like cool with that too. But because it became a government thing, and, and, and it shouldn't have been that way in the first place, because they gave them a win by allowing them to fight this. And it does uh, make suit. them look good now because it's like we fought, we fought yeah. this in court, we got our rights, the world's against us, and we fight the world, and we have a win yeah. now under our belt. <laughs> So that's very problematic. And that, that's the whole, the seventh and the eighth, that was the whole show, basically. It it's like, there's this huge anti-conservative conspiracy theory. They're trying to hold us back. Uh, yeah. I, and then and then after they win, it's like, somehow we overcame all the odds and we're fighting for freedom and we're like freedom fighters. And like, yeah. it, it's just... We're going to make Canada great again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just brutal. It wasn't just Rebel. Uh, it was also True North, and we've covered them because mm-hmm. Andrew Lawton and Candace Malcolm have both been on the show, and we've covered them. Yeah. They also joined in on the lawsuit fighting and were also led into the debates. There's there's a few things, again, before we start getting into the clips, and there's not many clips, and we're going to play some of the questions that they got to ask. But, I mean... I started to think, why did Rebel Media change their name to Rebel News? 
And I started thinking that maybe it was because they knew this lawsuit was coming and wanted to appear more like a news yeah. <laughs> company. I think the other thing, too, is like they wanted to get published in the Globe and Mail because in the legal briefings, they used the fact that he got published in the Globe and Mail as a reason for why they're legitimate journalists. I don't know if that had like if if they didn't have that, whether it would have mattered or not. Yeah. Uh, but you could tell, like, they're making these moves. And because, like, in hindsight, it's like, why did you change your name? Like, <laughs> maybe Rebel Media is too ambiguous. They wanted to be like, no, we're journalists. And we want to be led into a debate. So, I don't know. I, I had that sort of conspiracy theory. The other part of it is one thing that the liberal government used against them, or, like, their, their sort of, like, critique of Ezra and Rebel Media was that they're advocacy organizations rather than news organizations. And I think that's just a weird argument to make too, because a lot of media organizations advocate in one way or not subtly or more vocally than not. And I do agree, like, yes, Rebel News, they advocate for conservative causes. They have petitions (laughs) every month. So it's like, I can sort of see where they're coming, but I don't think there's like a legal distinction that you can make there compared to like other news organizations. Or whether you can get that fine grained. But one thing that I want to do is I would like to read the actual legal reasoning by the judge. I think his name was like Robert Zinn or something. But he basically ruled on the case and let them go through. But then said he was going to release his legal brief later. So he hasn't even released the the reasoning behind his decision to let them in. That's going to come later. Yeah. Uh, so once that comes out, I'll, I'll look into it. But we'll get into now... Uh, Ezra discussing uh, sort of what's happening. And so this is on the morning of the 7th. The The whole episode of the 7th is basically clips of him starting out at the, like, the court. He's over here. He's, like, he's like running around trying to, like, okay. uh, figure this whole thing out. And he's, like, interviewing Candace Malcolm. and uh, But anyway, so this is him speculating on the fact that they're going to lose. But you could see how he spins it in a way that, like, no matter what the outcome is, Ezra's going to win. So here's the clip. Okay. I read the arguments put forward uh, by the Trudeau government over the weekend with their three high-priced lawyers, and they go to great lengths to, to imply that we somehow don't meet the same criteria that other journalists do, but there is nothing they can criticize us for that other journalists wouldn't be excluded for the same thing. It's very clear this is a conservative litmus test, and we and Andrew Lawton have been banned. Well, we are going to court to see if we can turn that around. I want to be very candid. I'm not optimistic. The federal court is the most radical of the Canadian courts, the most left-wing of Canadian courts. I don't know who our judges are, but it would shock me if they weren't liberal-leaning, if not liberal-appointed. Now, you might say, well, that means nothing. They will apply the law as it is. Well, I certainly hope so. But what I'm sensing. So just look how he frames that right away. It's like they're all radical lefties. Yeah. They're like going to rule against it. So he's already setting it up that he's going to lose. And he's setting it up in a way where it's like if we lose, it's not because of the merits of the case. It's because these radical lefties are trying to keep conservatives down. Is it in Canada more and more the entire establishment believes in deplatforming voices that are outside the official establishment. And I suppose that's the lesson that I'll take away today if we lose, which I have to say I expect we will, is that while the establishment will 
gloat in victory that the rebel and true north have been banned I don't think it's a real victory. It's a Pyrrhic victory because every Canadian who feels that the establishment is out to get them, to block them, that the game is rigged, that it's all a stitch up, that it's all the insiders versus the populace, they'll be confirmed in that. So if we are indeed banned today, well, I guess score one for Justin Trudeau and his government lawyers, but score one for us and our central thesis that the media party and the liberal party and I suppose the court party are really all the same thing. And we've got no one on our side. Oh, poor baby. No one, I suppose, except the people. Only the people are on their side. I'm conflicted, and I go back and forth in this, and I don't know if there's a right answer to this. But there's a conflict in allowing these people to have a platform and a space and denying them that and giving them the kind of like rebel credibility, rebel in the the real sense of a rebel, and that yeah, we're fighting no. the system. So, like, I I understand that because I understand the argument is like we shouldn't be giving these people a platform. We should be making sure that these sentiments go away, that they don't emerge. But the problem is, you're just putting them into spaces where you're not hearing that, and they get more violent, they get more extreme in their views. And then they're just conversing with each other like they're the oppressed ones, which give them a motive to actually act out on those sentiments and thoughts in ways that are a lot more, I would say, extreme than just being at a press conference. Well, it is a weird feedback loop, but I think there has been some evidence where the deplatforming of certain people have hurt them in ways, both financially and having the access to a certain number of people. So someone like Alex Jones, he was kicked off YouTube and other like monetary platforms. Yeah. And his channel in terms of views and stuff has like tanked. And that is good because here's the thing is So what is knowledge fighting doing right now? <laughs> well they, he's Alex Jones is still producing like okay, content. Okay. It's just not, uh, not as many people are watching it. Which has different sort of like implications for, for how the show's gonna go. But it's also I mean, like, there's going to be that diehard fan base that's going to be there no matter what. But that also means that, like, Alex Jones doesn't have the reach that he used to. And so he can't attract new people the way that he used to. Okay. And so, like, there's some sense of, like, because these events have happened and because they fought this lawsuit, like, this is this whole election period has seen way more coverage of Rebel News than I was expecting when we got into this. Yeah. I thought Rebel News was just going to be this, like, fly on the wall. To be honest, and, like... I've heard them so many times that I think they are the media party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a thing. They they're pretending the... they're this victim. They are victim. the media party. They're getting Part so much coverage. When I, when I was researching this episode, I feel like every single local newspaper covered this lawsuit. Yeah. There was like... It blew up all over the internet, too. So so many people were talking about it. And and it's actually weird because it's like anytime I'd see stuff about Rebel Media, it would be about our twi- on our Twitter. And now I'm seeing like all my Twitter followers yeah. like talk about Rebel Media in the last couple of weeks. So and I was like, oh, Jody posted something. I'm like, oh, nope, that's not Jody. <laughs> like, so, uh, yeah. And so I don't know. I don't know what this is. Because here's an ev- like evidence of deplatforming not having the appropriate effect. But I, I do feel like the fault is on the liberal party for setting up this debate commission. If they just left it with the individual companies deciding who gets to participate and whatever, they wouldn't have had this opportunity to score some big yeah. uh, martyr win that they True. They I agree with that. 
So I don't know. I don't know what the correct way to fight fascists are, but I'm fucking pissed that they got to win. Punch them in the face. Punch them. <laughs> <laughs> We're not naming any names specifically, but a general okay to punching fascists. Next so, you know, we're going to go lawsuit for inciting <laughs> violence against well, certain groups of people. On October 8th, he Ezra covers their debate coverage. And the thing, I just want to say, this really pissed me off because you got led into this debate. Okay, cool. You won your lawsuit. You're in there. And the whole thing is like, we now get to cover the debate. They don't cover a single fucking thing from this debate. <laughs> the whole show is solely dedicated to look at the questions we got to ask. That's the whole show. And and it's just like a braggy, we got let in, and look at us. They didn't cover any of the substance of the debates. Like, nothing that happened in the debate I'm at all. I'm not surprised. Uh, so, again, that's why this whole thing is stupid. But we're going to play the stupid questions that they got to ask at the stupid debate. And we're going to start off with the Parti Québécois. Blanchette. Key in Rebel News. Uh, my question is... I want, to, I want to answer Rebel News. Okay, well, I'll keep so asking the question because a judge said that we could be here and ask questions, so I'll continue to ask the question. I Western separatists And if TMX is uh, is cancelled by a May-Singh-Trudeau coalition, uh, that intention will inevitably spike even more. What's your advice to Albertans who think that Confederation is broken? My answer is that I won't answer you. <laughs> <laughs> he won't answer Kean, who's an Alberta boy, asking about Alberta. But boy, the block will take Alberta money, won't they? Yeah, I just added that last little Ezra in there being creepy as hell and uh. stupid. But yeah, I mean, good on, on Blanchette for just being like, fuck you. I'm not going to answer your question. And you can see, like, the question is very, like, attacky. But uh, we're going to move on. So this is now... Uh, Justin Trudeau gets a question from, and this is, I should say, this is Kian Bext, who is terrible. And we're good. We're going to get to how terrible he is in a second. But here's this question to Trudeau. Hi, Mr. Trudeau. Since your multiple use of blackface became an international scandal, Canada's international reputation has been irreparably harmed. Have you reached out to any African leaders or any leaders from the Middle East to apologize? (laughs) Canada will continue to engage in a positive, constructive way around the world, standing up for human rights, uh, engaging uh, with leaders right around the world, because we know that uh, promoting our values and uh, prosperity for everyone around the world is good for Canadians and creates better opportunities for everyone. So that didn't answer the question at all. Have you spoken to any African leaders? (laughs) (laughs) He missed like the ones from the Caribbean. You know, that's like he should go through like every African or like every African nation and every like. Uh, I'm sorry for the black face oh insulting the country. Or leaders from the Middle East to apologize for your personal conduct. Uh, I have continued to engage with leaders around the world in a responsible way during an election campaign. My focus is connecting with Canadians as I was able to tonight. And I was very pleased to see so many of the questions turn to the environment. Uh, In all sections, there was a clear contrast uh, between those on stage who don't think we should be fighting climate change uh, and those of us who do. And again, we are the only party with a clear plan to fight climate change. I Well, not only is it not true, like this is... I love this clip because it both shows how stupid the rebel is, and it also shows how stupid Trudeau, Trudeau is. is. Like, both idiots. for one, it's why like did you? It's like they're having two separate conversations almost. 
Right, but yeah. that's how Trudeau has been through like out all these debates. Yeah. It's like he never actually addresses any like topic, and then he swerves it onto something else. And it's like, again, he could have just been like, "I'm not going to answer that stupid question," which is probably <laughs> you know, there's a reason why the BQ walked away from this interaction yeah, awesome. with a lot of press and everyone <laughs> liked them. My answer is, "I'm not going to answer that question." Is fantastic. Yeah, and. Trudeau here, like, somehow spins it to talking about global warming. <laughs> that's And then to say, we are the only ones with the comprehensive plan. Yeah, that's just... what politicians do, though, all the time. Though. Oh. That's, like, a typical move. Yeah, but there's better or worse ways of doing it. And Ooh, I would say I say, that's... I think he's pretty good, because I can definitely see some people being like, see, he's still good. <laughs> he's got it. Watch how he, like, took that question and then just answered a different one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that <laughs> that's like a typical politician move though yeah i would say I expect so I, nothing less <laughs> again talking about ezra like just repeating clips so after he plays the, the that trudeau question we just heard he then plays the clip again of the softball questions that rosemary barton asked him oh. and then goes you see like if kian wasn't there like no one would have asked tough questions <laughs> kian uh, looks like one of those really annoying High school prep boys that oh, just yeah. want to punch in the face because they say stupid shit and they disturb the class all the time and make dumb one-liner comments. Yep. Yeah. I've met several Kians in my life. Yeah. And I've liked none of them. No one actually really likes them. <laughs> they do have friends, but they're not really friends. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. I do know what you're saying. So this this is the third question that Kian got to ask, and it is uh, to our best friend, uh, Maxime Bernier. Hi, uh, Kian Bexty, Rebel News, right oh, here. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Uh, my question revolves around uh, journalism in Canada. Three journalists came to this uh, debate tonight, uh, but they weren't going to be let in, myself included. We had to apply for an emergency court injunction to be allowed to cover the one English debate that our prime minister took part in. What does that say about the state of journalism in Canada and the contempt that the prime minister currently has for journalists? It's a shame, you know, uh, we're a free democracy. We believe in freedom and it's too bad that uh, what happened right now. Uh, it's the same thing for me on the stage. You know, uh, Mr. Singh said that uh, I didn't have my place over there because of what I'm saying about immigration. But actually, you know, I'm a voice for the big majority of Canadians that want fewer immigrants. And the fact that some people doesn't want us to debate and some people uh, don't want you also to be here, uh, it's not a Canadian way. And I hope that uh, you'll be able to uh, be treated like a, like a journalist. Th thank you. I appreciate that. And my follow-up revolves around what you were saying. 6% of Canadians want higher in immigration. That's what the data says. Yeah. Do you think that the other leaders just think that Canadians need to take some tough medicine or do they just not believe the data? Well, first of all, I think that they don't want to agree with Canadians. Uh, I think they don't want to do that debate. You saw that on stage. Uh, you know, they were all against me on that. But actually, uh, that's a, a position that it is uh, in line with Canadians. But the most important also, if you want to preserve that country, if you want that country to be like that in 25 years, that's the time to have that discussion. And I'm very proud that I was able to have that discussion. So I like the, the racism at the end there, which is somehow we need to preserve the country as is today. Yeah. Uh, but, but look at, again, as well, to like, 
the direction of the questions to the other candidates and the question that he gave to Bernier was so much more of like a softball. Yeah, like, that's true. Because uh, they're ideologically aligned in all these things. But also... It was almost like, hey, thanks for being here for us. We or were for- both excluded and now we're let in. Yeah. Uh, and the thing about the... It is true that in this poll that they're referring to, only 6% of Canadians wanted an increase in immigration. Now, what's complicated is that it was there was a higher percentage, I can't remember, I think it was like around 30%, that wanted it to remain the same. And that's basically what the liberal and sheer position is. It's not an increase relative to the numbers that get let in. So, of course, it increases, but like per capita, the number remains consistent. Yeah. And so it's like, is that it remaining the same or raising, right? Like, none of that nuance is interjected into this conversation. Uh, but that's that's the three questions from them. But then because Ezra loves Andrew Lawton, he was like, let's hear Andrew Lawton's question. Good evening, Prime Minister. Andrew Lawton from True North. This afternoon, a federal court judge uh, ruled that I had a right to be here to cover this debate as a journalist, despite opposition from your attorney general. Uh, This comes after two weeks of me being uh, kicked out of or not allowed into your campaign rallies. The Conservatives have criticized you for being uh, not as advertised. You've advertised yourself as a champion of oppressed freedom. Will you take a stand right now, sir, as the leader of the Liberal Party and allow me to cover your campaign like every other journalist? We are a party and we are a country that respects journalistic rights and respects the freedom of the press. We will continue to. So is that a yes, sir? We are a party and a country that respects the hard work and the freedom of the press. We will continue to. Then what time is your plane leaving tomorrow, sir? (laughs) (laughs) Andrew Lawton is asking to stalk Justin Trudeau. And Trudeau is giving him. Can I have your house keys, please? (laughs) But but it's it's annoying because like, true, like, these are terrible questions. For one, it's like, why you, you've fought so hard to get in there and like your ads like why were you so mean to me it's like totally irrelevant like <laughs> to the rest of what's the question, going on like when are you leaving like no one actually like it's but then but then trudeau's answer again like he looks so much like an idiot in his interactions with them like all you had to do was go fuck off i don't care about you which is exactly again what the blocky Quebecois did like trying to like humor them by just like doing this weird talking point that doesn't address the question actually I think makes Trudeau look even worse. Yeah. So I don't know. Stupid questions and stupid reactions. Ezra then ends the the episode on the eighth by uh, complaining that Al Jazeera was let in in the first place and didn't have to fight a lawsuit to get in there. And again, why is he choosing Al Jazeera? I wonder why. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Kian then has this like sop story about how none of the other journalists there were happy to see him, and not- oh, poor baby. <laughs> no one congratulated Kian. <laughs> uh, so that's that. Then what we <laughs> then what we find on the ninth is, a th- so I explained this earlier in the Imperial Roundup, which is that. Uh, Manny Montenegrano was on and 
they were talking about how, I guess because of what's happened, Ezra is now super emboldened that he's now going to take on the whole debate commission and he's going to file a lawsuit no. to get access to things and like find out that they were really like Trudeau uh, lackeys all along and just didn't want us to be there. I've discovered the media party. Yeah, <laughs> so like this is like, we're going to defeat the media party. <laughs> and... Uh, and yeah again manny was way too obedient to ezra like it was really creepy uh i didn't like i i wasn't gonna let him play like a four minute clip of him just being like you know ezra where would we be without you you're fighting the good fight and you're just such a good fighter and i really love you we're not worthy we're not worthy we're not worthy we're stuck we suck so we're gonna end this by discussing some some further details that weren't covered so far in the episodes that we've watched which is that the french language debates happened last night and jagmeet singh got asked a question hi uh elizabeth may told me earlier today and i think she spoke in the other debate uh, re uh recently that she wants the alberta oil sands offline by in a decade what's the date that you want the alberta oil sands offline so what's your name my name's key and i'm with rnn you're with who? RNN. I'm going to pass on the question, my friend. Okay, so I'll, do I get the follow-up then? Or are you just going to pass on the question for... Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to answer it. hard one? Or? No, I'm just not going to answer your question. So, okay, Anyone else so can the follow-up, follow I guess, would be, uh, how do you have the moral authority to take the Alberta oil sands offline, given Alberta most just recently rejected your party in the largest democratic mandate that the province has ever seen? I'm not going to answer your question, but thanks. It's a hard one, hey? Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> I love it. Like uh, on the video clip too, it's so awesome because you can see the smile on Jagsbeat's face. He's like, "Thanks, man." <laughs> uh, and so again, like Jagmeet. I like how he tried to say, "We're I'm from RN." Like I'm not actually saying. We well, said RNN, and I think that's standing for Rebel News Network. Yeah, but the yeah. abbreviation, because with the other people, he's like, hi, I'm from Rebel Media or I'm Rebel News, right? Like, well, because I think what happened was he learned from the English language debate that with the Bras Québécois person, that, it, Blanchette, that if he says that yeah. I'm from Rebel, they're just going to dismiss it. And you can see there, because I, I don't think Jagmeet uh, studies, like, I don't think he really knows who Kian Bexty is, but then was like, so, I've never heard of RNN. And then I but think yeah, it finally clicked. That's what he I'm realized. saying. He, they're trying to be sneaky yeah. there, being like, we're going to give him an abbreviation so he'll answer us. Yeah. And uh, I think how, because the other thing that he said that I thought was super awesome was he was like, I could take a similar question from anyone else. I'm just not going to answer you. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's like, cause, and it helps uh, drag me because Kian was kind of deflecting like, Oh, you're not going to answer this question. And he made it really clear that it's like, it's not, it's not the question. It's you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, like, we were saying about Jagmeet not just telling racists to go fuck themselves. I think that was the closest subtle... I like it was that. still subtle, but it was a, a dig, nonetheless. Or I, or I prefer people like, I don't like you. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. That was close. Uh, close to what I really want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, the last clip I'm going to play is Kian talking about the blackface thing. It was from a, a clip earlier in the week, but I want to play it because I want to leave on sort of a little uh, discussion on who this Kian fellow is. Will, will You know what he looks like? He looks like that kid when those indigenous elders 
were having oh, like, God, a protest. Yes. And then that one kid is The Covington smut. Catholic kids, yeah. Yes. He looks like that kid. He does look like that kid. He might be that kid. <laughs> He's not, but... Maybe even worse than that kid. Oh. But we're going to play this clip <laughs> oh, first. No. Um, I, I noticed that your question of Trudeau got some pickup by U.S. media. Uh, why do you think yeah. that is? I mean, I think a lot of conservatives in the U.S. are a little bit sick of Trudeau's moral preening. I also think that blackface has a special meaning in the U.S. where they have the legacy of slavery, Jim Crow, and the minstrel shows. But um, why do you think it uh, got so much coverage in the U.S., your question? You're, you're right about that, and that's what I was going to say. There is that history of blackface in the United States. And as I like to say, Justin Trudeau, in, in doing what he did, putting on black and brown face, black knees, black arms, black hands, black tongue, he joined members of the KKK and other racists in the United States who do this as a pastime, as a joke, to belittle uh, people of a different background and ethnicity. Justin Trudeau joined members of the KKK, and that line uh, really resonates with Americans. This, like you said, it was picked up by American media. Um, none other than Breitbart actually just shared the uh, transcript. They just directly uh, took the, the words uh, it translated them to text and posted it. That's my favorite. That's my favorite because every uh, a Can Canadian outlet that has bothered to talk about us just sort of paraphrases what we said and then comments and 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 says, oh, but th this was a controversial outlet. The rebels controversial. Um, we shouldn't pay much attention to them. It's just funny because I guess the, the people that they think uh, that it got coverage in the United States was because it was reported verbatim by Breitbart. Which it's like, okay, good for you. I'm glad, I'm glad Breitbart just did the bare minimum by repeating the exact words that you said. Yeah. Uh, but notice, notice how uh, Kian sort of frames that. That it's like, oh, Trudeau is like the KKK. So let's talk about Kian. <laughs> he used to work uh, for an online company called Fire Force Ventures which is an online store set up uh, by Canadian military members that have since been uh, kicked out of the military once uh, this was exposed. And this piece was exposed, uh, so I want to do a shout-out to Ricochet Media, who did the reporting on this. But it turns out that Fire Force Ventures is a white supremacist propaganda company. Uh, they sell things like flags of the South African apartheid regime and also wow. Rhodesia. So Rhodesia was... I think it is what was Zimbabwe before it was Zimbabwe, or it was like a part of it. It's a sort of like a complicated history, but it was basically a white separatist sort of like group against uh, the other uh, black people okay. in that region. And a lot of uh, white nationalists wear the Rhodesian flag, even though it's an unrecognized state, doesn't really exist. And uh, for example, Dylan Roof, who shot up a, the, the black church right. in the United States. He, when he did the shooting, had the Rhodesian flag on his, uh, sewn onto his jacket. And so, Kian Baxt works for this thing, <laughs> works for this company that promotes white supremacy and sells white supremacist propaganda, but is calling Justin Trudeau a member of the KKK. And I also want to highlight that Ezra fired Faith Goldie for going on a neo-Nazi podcast. Yeah. You would think that that would uh, reach the level of firing just as it did with Faith. But I think the only reason Ezra fired Faith was the particular neo-Nazi bent 
of the podcast that she went on to because Ezra himself is a Jew. Yeah. Where the Rhodesia shit, he can sort of like, that's okay because it was more anti-black racism and he's totally cool with being anti-black people. He's just not cool with being anti-Jewish because he is Jewish. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Kian Bext. What a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it, though. Yeah. He's a smug asshole. You could tell. <laughs> yes, you can. And I'm not... I'm now, every time I see him, I'm going to see that fucking Covington Catholic kid. That's, he looks just like him. <laughs> if you enjoyed what you have heard so far please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperial news if you want to stay informed about what we're doing you can also find us on twitter at imperial news with a z we have a private facebook group called imperial news there's now like a few more people there it's rounding out a little bit still not a lot going on there but populate it and more will happen uh we also have a discord set up again some people have now joined that and uh we, cannot, we also are going to try to do some live streams and stuff on Twitch. You can find our Twitch account and the Discord on our Twitter. Again, I live stream the debate. Most of it was boring because the first half was just me typing to people on Discord and playing with my cat, <laughs> commenting uh, occasionally. And then eventually my, my friend, uh, shout out to to uh, uh, Nick who came on and, and we I tried to tell him about British or Canadian politics because he's British. Uh, and lastly, you can email us any question or correction at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com, and we will get to some of them if we receive any. And I also want to thank Mason Tickle for the Star Wars-inspired transition beats, which are very nice, so thank you to Mason. And eventually he's supposed to give me a link to stuff so I can promote him a bit more. But for okay. now, we're just going to shout him out. And thank you for listening. And stop making fascists happy, Canada. What the fuck is wrong with you? Homeless people in L.A. have smartphones.